Amen. What a blessing it is uh, to see young people uh, open the Word of God. It's a truth. You may say, well, really, Will, is it, is it really that, that serious? That when I skip, yeah, you're blaming on me, trying to make me feel guilty, that if I skip outreach, it's my fault somebody dies and goes to hell. Well, not just because you skip Thursday night outreach, it's because if you don't go soul winning. You know, because well, reality is people are dying and going to hell. They are. And the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? They need somebody to tell them the gospel. They need somebody to show them. And America's problem is not the world. The world's always been in full of sin. America's problem is God's people, which are called by His name, aren't humble. They're not praying. They're not seeking God's face. They're not turning from His wicked way. So He can't hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. Period. Done. Why? Because we're not doing our part. Somebody said to me, preacher, well, you can't do a blanket statement. Not here. This was uh, somewhere else. They said, you can't do a blanket statement and say it's all of our fault. Last time I checked, uh, when we got saved, if one person's guilty, it affects all of us, doesn't it? Our sinful actions affect those around us. And so if, it, if one person's not doing what they're supposed to do, it can affect the whole church. If you don't believe me, read the book of Joshua, chapter number 7, when uh, Achan sinned. And took of the Babylonian garment when he wasn't supposed to. And it said the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So the fact of the matter is we all need to do our part. It's not just the preacher's job. It's not just the deacon's job. It's not just Will's job. Not just uh, other people's job to get the gospel out. You say, preacher, I'm not good at witnessing to people. uh, None of us, I don't think, have broken hands that we can't pass out a gospel track. We need to do something about it. Thank you for that, buddy. I appreciate that very much. We need to be praying, humble ourselves, uh, seeking God's face. And um, what a blessing that is. Listen, I want to be able to give our young people opportunities to serve the Lord. And uh, seeing a young man stand up like this and uh, go through the Word. Just so you understand, standing up here is very nerve-wracking. You know why? I have to see some ugly people, some faces, especially uh, the ones that look like me. (laughs) You know, this guy sitting here now. Uh, what a blessing. You say, preacher, that's not nice calling us all ugly. Well, hey, it breaks the ice, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. Uh, it helps us out to tell jokes. I know uh, some people told me I need to tell some more jokes. I heard a story about these two old men that were arguing over if baseball was in heaven. And they said, we'll tell you how we'll find out. When one of us passes, whoever passes first, the one who passes first is going to come back and tell the other one if there's baseball in heaven. So uh, years went by and one of the friends died. Well, the other friend had a dream that night. His friend appeared to him. He said, you know what, buddy? There is baseball in heaven. He said, but there's bad news. He said, what's that? He said, you're pitching tomorrow. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, If you didn't get that, give it time. It'll come through. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, What a blessing. Joshua chapter number 23 tonight. Joshua chapter number 23. Somebody said, we're having two sermons this evening. Yeah. Aren't you glad we're not having two offerings? Uh Uh-huh. Aren't you glad we're not sending the offering plates around again? Praise the Lord. Uh, somebody was joking with me before church. They're like, if we have two messages, do we have to give twice? <laughs> uh, don't you wish? Amen. Praise the Lord. Joshua chapter number 23. Going to read several verses to you. Uh, if you would, real quickly, just stretch your legs. Just stand together out of respect for the Word of God. Joshua chapter number 23. I am going to hasten tonight try to go through this. I do thank you so much for supporting our young people. You young people, let me say thank you for serving God. 
Thank you for being willing to give testimony of what God did in your heart. Thank you for your willingness to sing and lead songs and do all those things. Get out of your comfort zone and, and just get up here and, and proclaim the name of the Lord. You don't understand what motivation it does to me and us adults to see you young people serving God. And it motivates us. And I sure appreciate you doing that. Joshua chapter number 23. We'll start reading in verse number 6. It says, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come, uh, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. Isn't it amazing? Verse 10 there shows you, it don't matter how big the battle is if God's fighting for you. It said one of you can fight against a thousand. Why? Because God's fighting for us. Then he says in verse number 11, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. I'm going to preach a message to you tonight called Reminders from Joshua. Reminders from Joshua. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the, what we've already heard and already experienced in your house tonight. Lord, we're excited and encouraged by a younger generation that desires to serve you. Thank you for Brother Will's message tonight. Lord, what he preached out of your word about how we ought to pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. And Lord, how you do answer prayers. But Lord, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to uh, just trust your word and what it says. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for it. Thank you for this uh, book of Joshua that we have to go through and to study and to learn. Lord, I pray that as we leave here tonight, we, may we be encouraged. May we be uh, emboldened, strengthened. And Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. In Joshua 22, we talked about spiritual survival and how... Joshua was speaking to the two and a half tribes, letting them know you're about to leave the safety of numbers and go out on your own and you need to take diligent heed to the word of God. And he tells them to, to go out there and remember that you need to love God and do all these things. And uh, he's reminding uh, the nation of Israel, it's coming down to the end of Joshua's life. It's coming down to the end of his leadership. In verse number one of chapter 23, it says, And it came to pass... A long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for the heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. It's bad enough that God tells us he's old and stricken in age. Then he has to admit it. I'm old and stricken in age. I was... Brother Peterson and I go way back. I tease him. I was thinking about him when I read this verse today. Praise the Lord. He's old and stricken. You said, he's a visitor. He's not to me, okay? He's not a visitor. I've known him for a long, long time. So we have a good time messing with each other. But the fact is, Joshua's coming down to the point now. He's getting old. His, his time leading the nation of Israel is about to uh, come to an end. Now, we know we still have another chapter here in the book of Joshua, but he's Going down through and he's telling them, I'm old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all the Lord your God hath done unto, uh, unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord 
Your God, he it is that hath fought for you. He's reminding them about some things. He said, listen, I'm getting older, but I want to remind you some things that uh, the enemies that you've seen, there's no way we could have defeated them on our own. I want you to think back to Jericho and remember uh, the, the plan God came up with that we're going to march around the city. And that's something that you and I couldn't have imagined. That wasn't a good tactical plan in our grand scheme of things. But God says, march around the city one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around it seven times and blow the trumpets, yell real loud. The walls are going to fall down. You're going to go in and take them. What kind of battle plan is that? But he's reminding them that, listen, the battles that we fought, God has fought for us. There's no way that we could have made those walls fall down by ourselves. There's no way we could have won that battle by ourselves. But just remember that God has fought for you. He's reminding them of that. He said in verse 3 that God hath fought for you. And then verse 4, he said, Behold, I have divided unto you the lot of nations that remain to be inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, and ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. So he said, listen, God's fighting for you. God fulfilled his promises for you, and I don't want you to forget it. I want to remind you of that. And church, you know, tonight, there's sometimes we just need reminded about uh, how good God is. That God fights for us, and he keeps his promises to us. And Will just preached on a promise that God gives us. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. He said, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. That's God's promise. We can't say, well, God's not healing our land. Well, it's because we're not turning from our wicked ways, humbling ourselves, seeking God's face, doing all those things. If we do our part, God's going to do his part. That's God's promise. But Joshua's reminding them, listen, I'm old, but let me remind you of some things. Even though I'm about to come to the place where I feel like my ministry's ending or my time uh, here is done, I want to remind you about God's faithfulness to his people. I want to remind you about his fulfilled promises, all of those things. And God is faithful and God does fulfill his promise. But then he says in verse number six, be ye therefore very courageous. He said, because of who it is that's fighting for us, because of who it is that fulfills his promises, we can be very courageous. We can be uh, confident in the fact that he's fighting with us. He said, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefore, therefrom to the right hand or to the left. You know what he's saying is the book that God gave us, we ought to be very courageous to stand upon it because God's fighting with us through it. God's fulfilling his promises through it. And we need to be very courageous to keep and to do everything that's in this book. And the, tr the truth is still today. God still fights with this book. It's the sword of the Spirit. Remember when Satan came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness? Three times he was tempted and Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. I'm glad he didn't say it was written in the originals. He said, it is written. And guess what? It still is written today. And Satan knows what sword it really is. Satan knows that we have the Word of God, and he doesn't want you to be courageous with it. He doesn't want you to be strong in the things of God. But Joshua's reminding the nation of Israel, he's saying, listen, I, I've led you in this, I've helped divide these things, but it's not about me, folks. It's about him. That's what Joshua's trying to tell them. 
He's saying, listen, it's not the strength that we've had in our own self. It's not in our abilities, Brother Nick. It's not in how many ministries we have or, or how many souls we win to Christ. It's none of the things about us, but it's all about Him. And if you remember, who was it that fought for us? It was God. Who was it that fulfilled their promise? It was God. Who was it that gave us the word? It was God. And we need to be very courageous to keep it and to do it and to fulfill it. And he says this, to turn not to the right hand nor to the left. So there's three things I want to talk to you about with these reminders of Joshua. He's setting that stage for it. Firstly, that straight paths should be walked. Straight paths should be walked. Look at verse 6. He said, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, and that ye turn not aside therefrom. Therefrom what? From the law of Moses to the right hand or to the left. You know what he's saying is don't deviate off of what truth is. Walk the straight path. Walk the straight and narrow way that God has given you to walk. I want you to look at a few verses. Look at Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. Brother Will was preaching. He mentioned Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And he goes on and he goes down through. But look at verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go therein thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find. Few there be that find it. Listen, we're supposed to walk the straight path. What straight path are you talking about? We, there's only one way to salvation, and it's a straight, narrow way. That way of salvation is the way of Jesus Christ. There's people that say, well, uh, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. Oh, I, I think getting to heaven is, is by uh, giving in the offering plate or uh, by my good works or all these things. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. There's one straight way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I heard a story one time about Carl Hatch, one of a well-known preacher, soul-winning machine uh, from uh, what I've heard testimony times and things like this. And I heard one time he, he walked up to a nun that was dressed all in her full getup there, and he walks over to her and he says, Sister, how'd you like to go to heaven? Straight shot, no purgatory. I was thinking, wow, what a, when I heard that, I thought, man, what a testimony that is. She said, I'd like that very much. And he showed her through the gospel how she could go to heaven. You know, you don't go to purgatory. Absent with the bodies, present with the Lord if you're saved. If not, you open your eyes in hell and torments just like the rich man did. The fact is, I want you to understand that straight is the gate. There's a straight way. You've got to walk straight path. Joshua's reminding them, listen, I know you're God's people. First off, you're his children. Once you become his children, that doesn't mean you can walk whatever path you want to walk. You're not your own. Look at Proverbs chapter number 12. Proverbs chapter number 12. Verse number 28, in the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Why should we walk in righteousness? That's where life comes. Walking with God, walking in the righteousness of God. How can we be alive in Christ? Not only uh, saved from our sins through the blood of Christ, but alive in Christ. 
There's a difference. There's people that are saved, but they're dead as a doornail. They ain't got enough power of God upon their life to, to even cause a breeze anywhere. I'm telling you, the fact is, we can still be dead. Why? Because we're still walking in the flesh. Still walking in sin. But it said that path of righteousness is life. You want to have life? You want to be alive as a church? Listen, liveliness doesn't come from a praise and worship team. It's not where it comes from. That's not life in a church. Listen, where there's life, there's motion. Where there's life, there's commotion. Things are going on. People are being saved. Baptismal waters are being stirred. Discipleship classes are happening. Bus kids are uh, being brought in. Things are going on for God when there's life in a place. But that only comes when we're walking in righteousness. And Joshua's reminded them, listen, don't go to the left or to the right. Remember what Christ did. Remember what God has done for us. Remember how he's kept his word for us. He, he fulfilled his promises. He fought for us. Now, remember, don't, don't deviate from what's right. Stick to what's true. Listen, there's a lot of change going on in our country. A lot of change in our churches. A lot of change to a new modernistic type theology. Well, it's 2019, preacher. Don't you think we ought to change? I'll tell you this. We can change when God changes. How about that? We'll change when God changes. And if God doesn't change, we don't change. And if you listen this morning, guess what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. He's not going to change. That's why we don't change. We stick with the book. We don't need a newfangled philosophy. We don't need a new way of doing things. There's nothing wrong with the old one. We don't need to fix it. It's still good. We need to keep doing what's right. But there's a lot of change. There's a lot of every wind of doctrine that's blowing by going this direction and that direction. And we don't need to go that way. We need to stick straight and narrow, stick, stick true on the path that God's given us. You say, preacher, we're going to be uh, blackballed. People aren't going to, they're going to call us fanatics. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. If they call us, you guys are acting like Jesus. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Man, what a criticism. We act like God. Amen. You say, are you being sarcastic? I am. What, what, what's the problem of imitating Christ? There isn't one. So why do we get so offended by it? We get so offended. Somebody says, well, you're just a religious fanatic. No, I had nothing to do with it. I'm a relationship fanatic. A relationship between me and God. Sure love it. See, and the fact is, we need to remember to stick straight and narrow. Don't deviate from the left or to the right. There's all kinds of ways they're trying to get us to move in this direction or that direction. But God says stick straight to it. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Acts 20, 24, one of my life verses says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which is set before me to testify the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things move me. What? The new music isn't going to move me. The new uh, messages aren't going to move me. You know what's going to move me? God's going to move me. God's going to stir in me. God's going to do it. That's what needs to motivate us. He said, don't deviate to the left or to the right. He said, turn not aside from it. Hearken to the word of God. Listen to it. Then he says this. Not only is he reminding them to, that the straight paths should be walked, but he's also saying the Savior should be cleaved unto the Savior should be cleaved unto. Look what he says in verse 8. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. The Hebrew word there, uh, as you look at it in that, 
fish is called, it's dabak, D-A-B-A-Q. It means to stick to like skin or to be close by. So what's that mean? To cleave unto the Lord, that means that you stick to him like skin. The way that skin sticks to us, we need to stick to him. That's what it means to cleave unto him. To cleave unto the Lord, to stick to him like skin. So I took the letters of the word cleave, and I want to share some things with you this morning. To cleave unto the Lord, firstly, you're going to have to confess your sin to him. Confess your sin to him. Look at Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Verse 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See what the Bible says? That's God's word. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Listen, you want God's mercy upon your life, you know what you need to do? Confess your sins to God and turn from them. See, that's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and then turn from their wicked way. You know what we need to do? We need to confess our sins to him. Look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Psalm of David, look what it says starting in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Uh, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Aren't you glad for 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? But you see what the psalmist is saying here? He said, I acknowledge my sin. If you're going to cleave unto the Lord, you need to acknowledge it, but you've got to confess it to him. You've got to confess it to him. Secondly, you need to love the Lord. Verse 11 of our text in Joshua chapter 23 said, Take good heed therefore unto yourself that ye love the Lord your God. So if you're going to cleave unto him, you've got to confess your sins to him, but then you've got to love him. Love the Lord thy God. We talked about that last week when he talked about spiritual survival. He told him, Take ye diligent heed unto the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. But then he said, Love the Lord your God. Why is this a common thing? Because that's the greatest commandment. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know why we're not doing things for God the way we should do them? We don't love Him. We're not confessing our sin, getting rid of Him, and loving God the way we're supposed to love Him. So confess your sins, love the Lord, then explore God's Word. Explore God's Word. You're going to cleave to God. You need to confess your sins, love the Lord, and explore God's Word. Look at John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5, verse 39 says this, Search the Scriptures, 
For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. It said, search the scriptures. How do you seek the Lord? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek my face. How do you do that? Where do you find him? How do we know God? We get into his book. We search the scriptures. If you're going to stick to him like skin, first off, you can't have sin in your life because he's not going to fellowship with us the way that he desires to fellowship with us if we got sin in our life. He said, you got to admit your iniquities, confess them to the Lord. You got to love the Lord. You got to explore God's word, get in it, explore it, do what God says there. Look at Acts chapter number 17. Verse number 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Search the scriptures just on Sunday, Brother Scott. How about just in church when I hold my Bible under my arm? No, search the scriptures daily. Every day we ought to be in God's word. You're going to cleave unto him. You've got to confess your sins to him, love the Lord, and explore God's word in your life daily. It's got to happen every day. Then, not only do we need to explore God's word, but to cleave, C-L-E, we got that. Now, letter A is apply God's word. Not just search it, but apply it. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. You know what it means? It means to obey what God says. You search it, you find out the truth, and then you obey it. He's saying the Savior should be cleaved to. You need to stick to him like skin. Well, how do you do it? Confess your sins, love the Lord, explore God's word, and apply it in your life. Apply what the Bible says. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But what? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. On Sunday? In his law doth he meditate twice a week? Day and night. If you'll meditate on it day and night, searching the scriptures, going into it daily, then it said this, day and night that thou what? Be like a what? Tree. Planted by the rivers of water, and bringing forth this fruit in the season, leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He's saying, listen, if you're going to prosper in your life, you're going to be a happy Christian, you need to get rid of those things in your life and cleave to the, to the Word of God, study the Word of God, search it, and apply it to your life. Do what it says. So we need to confess our sins, love the Lord, explore God's Word, apply God's Word, and then examine yourself. Examine yourself. Look at Psalm 26. Psalm 26, you say, well, how do I examine myself? How do I get myself to the place where I know what's going on in my heart? There's so many things I've done, I just can't remember. Look what verse 2 says of Psalm 26. Actually, start in verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked 
in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore shall I not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and know my heart. Whoa, that means we need to ask God to help us, right? Ask God to show us, reveal to us. Part of an examination process is revealing what's going on. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. If there's some things in our life that He wants to uh, help us with, we need to ask Him to help us uh, in that area and reveal it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. This is where we give the Lord's Supper verses. We talk about these things. But look what the Bible says in verse 28. But let, every man, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You need to examine yourself. What's in my life? Is there anything between my soul and the Savior? Is there anything between me and God? I didn't say you have to get up here and post it all on a billboard and say, this is what I've got going on. God already knows your heart, but he wants you to examine yourself. What's wrong inside of me? Try me, Lord. Prove me. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Verse number 5, look what it says. Examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that ye, uh, we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith. It's something you've got to examine. Something you've got to identify. You know, nobody can be saved until they examine themselves. Identify I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. No man can get help from God until they examine themselves and understand they need help. You say, what are you talking about? The Holy Spirit, ask Him, prove me, show me what's going on inside, and examine yourself. So to cleave, confess your sins, love the Lord, explore God's Word, apply God's Word, and examine yourself. He was telling them, Walk the straight path. The Savior should be cleaved to. Stick to Him like skin. That means there's no separation without death. No separation without death. Stick to Him like skin. But then in verse 11 and 12, go back to Joshua 23. Joshua 23, and we'll finish with this. Joshua 23. He's reminding them again of God's protection, how he fought for them. God's faithfulness in keeping his promise. Then he's reminding them about standing courageous on the word of God, what God's given us. To cleave unto the Lord. To walk the straight path. Don't deviate just because things happen and they come through and you're wanting to go this way or that way. No, walk the straight path. Even if you're the only one walking it, walk that way. Cleave unto the Lord. But then he says this in verse 11 and 12. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Else if ye do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations. Even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them and they unto you. Know for a certainty 
that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of the nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your side and thorns in your eye until you perish from all this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. You know what he said? All of our selfish desires must die. The things of the flesh that we desire, all those old ways. He said, listen, you, you can cleave to the old way. What used to be here, all the wickedness, all the vileness. See what he said, verse, verse 12? Else, if any wise, you go back. Back to the way it was. Back to the things that used to be here. The enemies that he destroyed out of your way. If you want to run back to that and go back to that, know this. That it's going to become a snare to you. You know what, what's got to happen? Our selfish fleshly desires have to die. That's why Paul said, I die daily. He said, every day I have to crucify myself. I have to die to self. Why? Because if not, I'm have a tendency to go back. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why? Because we're still flesh. But he's reminding them that, listen, if they're going to make it, I'm, I'm old, I'm not going to be here to guide you. God's doing some things. There's some things about to happen. You need to walk the straight path. The Savior should be cleaved to, but our selfish desires need to go away. Because if they don't, it's going to be a snare to you. It's going to be a scourging in your side. It's going to be a thorn in your eye until all of us die off and this good land's gone. Listen, I don't want God's judgment on us because we go back to the way we used to live. You know, we got saved out of that junk. Right. Amen. We got saved out of all that worldly, wicked lifestyle. So why is it that God's people still live in it? You know why? Because we're going back. And God says if we go back, you know what happens? Know for certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. Remember, he just told them he fought for them. He just did all this stuff for them. He's reminded them what he did. But he's saying, but if you want to go back, you have the option of going back. But God's not going to drive them out anymore. You're going to be on your own fighting the battle. God's not going to be fighting for you. You know why? Because he's going to say, you didn't want me? Fine. Let's see how you do it on your own. Well, I thought God was going to fight for me. Oh, he'll fight for you if you're following him. You're doing what you're supposed to do. He'll fight for you. You use the word of God, guess what? It's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Satan has to flee when you resist him with the word of God. But when you walk in the flesh, who's the captain of the flesh? Satan is. A truth that I want to express to you about walking in the flesh. In Genesis chapter number 3, this is just something neat that I saw one day. In Genesis chapter number 3, when Adam and Eve had sinned, and God was pronouncing judgment upon the sin of man. He said unto the, the man, he said, You work by the sweat of your brow, eat of the fruit of the ground, and thorns and thistles came forth. He told the woman that she'd be in subjection to her husband in pain and childbearing. Then he told the serpent, he said, You'll be cursed above all the beasts of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou crawl, and you'll eat of the dust of the ground all the days of your life. And as I was reading that, I was intrigued by it because I began to think to myself, well, serpents don't eat, they don't eat dirt. Snakes don't eat dirt. So what's he getting at here? And I began to, some things the Lord showed me is he showed me that in his creation, the only thing God physically touched was the dirt. And who did he make? Man. So we're made of what? Dirt, right? So when we sow to the flesh, let me ask you a question. Who do we feed? The serpent. That's why it's very important for us to walk the straight path. 
why it's important to get in the Word of God because we strengthen Satan when we walk in the flesh. We're nurturing him, feeding him. Why? Because he devours us when we allow him to. He said he says that roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know, you have to give permission for him to devour you. Because he can devour any of us. But he said he seeketh whom he may devour. You know, he can't devour you if you resist him. He has to flee from you. He has to flee from you. Oh, we got to just take our selfish desires and throw them aside. And just say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, I want to serve you. He says, you can go back if you want to. He's reminding them, listen, walk the straight path. Cleave unto the Lord. Cleave unto the Lord. And he says, our selfish desires need to be put aside. Our flesh needs to die. Why? So that we can have the God's protection and we can have God fulfilling his promises and doing the things he wants to do. Because if we're walking in the flesh, he says, fine, you can have it. But he's not going to drive them out anymore. That enemy, when it comes our way, he's not going to fight for us. He's saying, you're on your own, pal. Oh, he's there when we're ready to come to him. He's there, ready. But he's not going to intervene. If you go back that way, he said it'll be a, a scourging to you, a thorn in your eye. Listen, thorns in the legs bad enough. Can you imagine in the eye? It'd be kind of irritating, wouldn't it? Painful. That's what sin does. It's painful. What do we do then? We cleave unto the Lord, confess our sins, love Him, examine His Word, apply His Word, explore the Scriptures, examine ourselves. That's what we need to do. Church, you want to cleave to God? I do. We sing that song, Oh Church, do you love Jesus? Do you really, really love Jesus? Tell me why we said you love Jesus. Because He first loved me. And oh, how I love Jesus. We'll sing these songs, but do we genuinely mean it? Do we really mean that we love the Lord? Joshua was reminding them of what Christ had done. But if you turn away, let me remind you of what's going to happen. Surely this will take place. God's going to back away and say, fine, fight the enemy for yourself. How many times did that happen to Israel? They turned their back on God. And then you go through judges, watch what happens. They go their own way and then... They're in bondage for how many years? And God raises up a judge and they go their own way. They're in bondage. For... That's what happens when we turn away from God. Reminders from Joshua. And we need to be reminded tonight. Reminded of what Brother Will preached on tonight. Prayer. Going back to God. Turning from our wicked way. Seeking God's face. Let's just admit it today. Admit who we are before the Lord. Get clean in this room tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed.